1: It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou here tonight with
0: Akosia Autry.
2: And coming up over the next 90 minutes. We will deal with it on a case-by-case case basis. I still stand by that. It cannot be a block compensation to everybody. Because what we are also seeing is that just by one person saying something, there were panic buys.
1: Electricity Company of Ghana ECG defies PURC directive for mass payment of compensation to customers following almost a week-long shutdown of the company's prepaid system. We'll be interrogating the issue here on Eyewitness News. Also coming up, National Disaster Management Organization, NADMO, begins distributing relief items to persons displaced by floods in the Weijakbawi municipality of the Greater Accra region. But the residents still remain homeless following the takeover of their homes by water. we have a live report from the ground or a status report, plus a reaction from um, other duty bearers in other parts of the country inundated by floods. And later on Eyewitness News.
3: Farmers threatening smuggling their beans outside the country. They are doing it now as I'm speaking. And what is gokobe doing to prevent these people? It is dialogue. You want this price? I don't want
1: this price. Ghana to lose big on cocoa exports after farmers made a public threat to smuggle the produce to neighboring Ivory Coast over the low amount the government of Ghana is willing to pay them. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News and in business.
4: Ghana
5: Union of Traders Association, Guta, dreads collapse of many businesses with 24.5% increase in monetary policy rate by Central Bank.
1: That's in 50 minutes with Nii Ayikwe Okain of the City Newsroom, who has the leaders in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the Volta region on Seller Radio 97.1 FM in uh Dabala and Holy ninety eight point five FM in Aplau. In the Ashanti region we are on Focus ninety four point three Fm and Orange 107.9 Fm both in Komasi. In the Western region we are live on Beach 105.5 FM in uh Takradi and Sky Skypa 93.5 FM also in Takradi. If you go to the northeast region we are live On Nobia FM 98.1 in Naliruku, the regional capital, northern region. We are on North Star Radio 92.1 in Tamale. Rikas 92.1 FM Bongo Namo in the Upper East Region is bringing you this broadcast. And if you go to the hometown of the Speaker of Parliament in Nadoli, we are on Tumpani Radio 88.5 FM in the Upper West Region. Let's know what you make of the stories we are bringing you. The WhatsApp number is 0549 986. Nine nine six zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six. Do share your views and the world will hear. What do you think? Let's kick off with uh, one of our cash crops. In fact, the most significant of them all. We are the second largest producer of cocoa in the world, but it appears we may be suffering, and we may be having a reduction in the money we make from the commodity. Um. Akosia has that story.
0: Yes, cocoa farmers have threatened to smuggle their produce to neighbouring countries if government does not take measures to further increase the price of cocoa. A bag of cocoa was previously selling for 660 cities in Ghana until government yesterday announced an increment in the producer price By 21% to 800 cities for 2022 2023 cocoa crop season. The new pricing regime is expected to take effect from Friday, October 7, 2022. However, some cocoa farmers are lamenting the new increment is woefully inadequate as compared to that of the Ivory Coast, which is pegged at about 858 cities for the same season. Speaking to City News, President of the Concerned Farmers Association, Nana Obwadi Obwatinbunsu, says they are unhappy with the new rates.
3: doing something little, but then the uh, farmers are unhappy because uh, uh, we were looking at thousand five hundred, which two hundred and fifty would be our welfare insurance and everything But at the end of the day, government decided farmer with his own price without even engaging us price if this I is what we
0: well, you are calling for further increments
3: exactly that is what we are calling for farmers threatening smuggling their cocoa bees outside the country they are doing it now nah, at am speaking right and what is cocoa ball doing to prevent these people it is dialogue you want this price i don't want this price you don't have to be be so straight that fine if you don't want it fine no You need to talk to the people. Well, it was 1,500 that we, uh, with the cocoa farmers across the country, decided so that 250 will be for the welfare and then uh, 1,250 will be in the pocket of the farmer. But uh, for now, the consent farmers' association we are doing is to engage farmers to tell them not to smuggle their cocoa beans out of the country, but rather save it
0: because a good price will come. Nana Obwadi Abwatingbos, who is president of the Concerned Farmers Association.
1: Cocoa Board is in charge of our cocoa in Ghana, the Ghana Cocoa Board. The public affairs manager at Cocoa Board is Fifi Boafo, When he joins us on the line. Mr. Boafo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Sandra. How do you arrive at how much you give to Ghanaian farmers? Is it... Dependent on how much we raise, um, and I'm referring to the money that we get every year to pay Cocoa Farmers, is that what determines how much we pay Cocoa Farmers, or are there are other determ- determining factors?
6: Okay, so the there's a committee called the Producer Price Review Committee, comprising representatives of farmers, the licensed buying companies, hauliers, uh, the Bank of Ghana, Ministry of Finance, Ministry of Agriculture, Cocoa Board, uh, is uh, constituting the committee. The committee largely looks at the world market price of cocoa. And the world market price, with your indulgence, I would like to explain this. There are a lot of people who look at the market price as, as posted on the ICCO website or any a trading website, and they say that, okay, the price is 2300 so the price is 2300 it doesn't end there. There's the main crop beans and there's the light crop beans. With the main crop beans, it has that is the price you see usually on these websites. With the light crop beans, it is discounted to the tune of 20%, and the light crop beans constitute 25 about 25% of the entire crop. That is discounted. So the price you see is a weighted average of the main crop beans and the light crop beans, and that is what we use in determining the price. So when you have arrived at that average, you look at the quantity you intend or you expect to buy. So, for example, 850,000 metric tons. The main crop bean price is 2,500 multiplied by X. The light cob beans multiplied by Y. Based on that, you have a figure which you can work with. This figure then is said, taken into consideration industry costs. So industry costs include the jute sacks we buy, the twines, warehousing cost research the bias margin bias margin i 'm referring to the licensed buying companies who buy as agents of Ghana cocoa board, the hauliers who haul the cocoa from the farm gate to warehouses and to the port, among other industry costs. so when you do that, then you apportion how much is paid to the farmer how much is also paid to the holiest, that of the licensed buying companies, and then Cocoa Board and all other industry stakeholders. So that is how the price is arrived at.
1: Okay, now during the determination of the price, do you have some figures that you work with where these figures could either go up or go down? So for instance, what's the current price and how did you decide to go for the new price that you have announced?
6: Okay, so the price is largely dependent on what is prevailing at the world market.
1: And okay, so is, for, uh, forgive me again, the world market, isn't that just the market between Ivory Coast and Ghana? No. So
6: the world market is actually the terminal market. There are two markets, the London market and the U.S. market. And Ghana largely trades on the London market. So the London terminal market is what we, we use. And then the price is what the terminal offers. So what the terminal offers, in the case of Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire, what we have in common is that apart from the terminal price, we also have the living income differential, which is a new arrangement that has been achieved the last three years between these two countries. So we have the LID as an extra income that we are able to derive after the sale of the cocoa. So that comes in as an additional income to what we have at the terminal price. But this is all put together in determining the price. So when we do so, then we indicate that at a minimum of 70% FOB price is paid to the farmer, and then the other industry players also get their portion. But you see, I listened to the gentleman you spoke to on your network, and sometimes some of these people create part of the confusion we have in the media space when it comes to conversation about cocoa pricing and what is supposed to go to cocoa farmers. In one breath, the gentleman says, Farmers were supposed to be paid 1,500 Ghana cities. What were the basis of this argument? He does not provide it. He just put it out there. It's someone takes it and says that, oh, they say farmers should have been receiving 1,500 Ghana cities without providing any basis. But then the person who says 1,500 Ghana cities says, oh, but it would have been fine if we are paid 850, just like farmers from Cote d'Ivoire. The same person says he has not been invited. Sanda, it is not possible that if I wake up tomorrow and say that I, Fifi Bwafo, have formed Ghana, Medical, Ghana Doctors' Association, when the government of Ghana is negotiating with Ghana Medical Association, I am called to sit in the meeting, and if I am not called to sit in the meeting, it means that there has not been consultation. There is a farmer representative group that sits in this meeting. So the fact that you wake up tomorrow and say that you have formed your own association, and if you are not part of the meeting, it means that the farmers in generality have not been, in, they have not. They've not had representation in that meeting. I think that is inaccurate and that is not right. Okay. This, gen, this gentleman moves on to say that he speaks on behalf of farmers, and farmers say that they are smuggling the akuku to Cote d'Ivoire. Let's have, do the analysis. You know, farmers in eastern region are they part of the farming who are smuggling the akuku to Cote d'Ivoire? What is the distance between eastern region? to Côte d'Ivoire, or those in Ashanti region, or those in OT region. I think sometimes when we make some of these statements, it, it, it carries a certain image. But if you interrogate them, then you realize that it is not exactly what the person is putting out. That is the real truth.
1: But it's possible, isn't it? If, if, so, even, if, even if the one from O T region finds Côte d'Ivoire too far, the one from Western region... The one from Ashanti region should not. And indeed, uh, no, no. they could for even factor region, the distance region, in, in the course, the wouldn't wa- they?
6: For Ashanti region to call the wife, uh, quite a distance. I'm so sure that they
1: would couple is- that if they were to sell it to our, our, our produce buying companies here, I mean our cocoa buying companies here, you call it what? Uh, cocoa marketing companies, Li- right? License buying companies. License buying companies. Uh, instead yeah. of selling to that for, say, 50 cities, if I took it to Ivory Coast, even if I spent so much on the road, I would still raise at least 100 cities and it is better. The farmer would always choose that option. You don't think so? so?
6: Let me give you the dynamics. In Ghana, farmer is earning 800 Ghana cities as a result of a 21% increase. In Cote d'Ivoire, farmers are getting, if you compare, or if you do the exchange rate, a difference of 850 Ghana cities. So the actual difference for a bag of cocoa between Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire, is 50 Ghana cities. That is it. 50 Ghana cities.
1: It may sound insignificant so if you consider a single bag.
6: argument Ghanaian farmers are largely smallholder farmers. They are not large-scale farmers. Cocoa farmers in Ghana are smallholder farmers. So for a smallholder farmer who produces four bags of Cocoa. You tell me that that farmer says he will take his cocoa from Sejuoso down to Cote d'Ivoire. What is the cost of that transport from Sejuoso to Cote d'Ivoire? What really happened is that it's not that like these farmers, these smallholder farmers who smuggle cocoa, there are business people who will buy the cocoa from the farmers at the prevailing rate in the country, drive it along the border pay their way as they move along the border to the neighboring country and then sell it there usually if the price difference between these two neighboring countries is more than 90 ghana cities it is believed that it encourages smuggling so between ghana and cote d'ivoire there's this understanding that when we are fixing a price we need to ensure that the difference between these two countries is not beyond 90 Ghana cities. Because even if it's beyond 90 Ghana cities, it encourages people who want to do smuggling activities. So even saying that 50 Ghana cities, so somebody, because he has three packs, 150 Ghana cities, he will either put it in a bobo or put it in a taxi, go through and pay, what you call it, bribes to the police and the people on the border. And send it to the other country. Clearly, then you do not understand the dynamics there. You are just putting out information, which is not the truth.
1: What if a businessman? What, I- what if a businessman buys from ten smallholder farmers? That volume would be worth paying the bribe and crossing the border for, don't you think?
6: If the businessman buys from ten smallholder farmers, the first argument is that. The person who says that is a farmer who is benefiting, that is the reason why he's transporting it to Côte d'Ivoire. That argument is null and void because there is no such benefit to that farmer. And to tell you the truth, it's not just a small <laughs> ten farmers who have three, four bags. The people who do the smuggling business, is a huge business. So you need a huge truckload load to do so. And with a huge black load, that's what I'm telling you, that if the gap is beyond 90 Ghana studies, that is where they make profit. If it is less than 90 Ghana cities, they do not make profit. Okay. So they do not find it lucrative.
1: Let me ask this. Are you suggesting that there is no smuggling of cocoa into our neighbors to the west at all, or you're saying that based on the current price that has been fixed, there would be no reasoning, economic reasoning, for the, for the, for the um, smuggling?
6: You see, for smuggling, it comes in two folds. With your indulgence, I'd like to explain. There are farmers whose farms are just situated on the border. Part of the farm probably may be in Ghana. Part of the farm may be in Cote d'Ivoire. And there are few of such farmers. So depending on which country has a higher price, they are able to move along the border and sell where the price is higher. But the people who are in the business of smuggling They do it at a large scale. I am not saying that it's not happening. I do not have the evidence to back the claim whether or not it is happening. But what I am saying is that it would not make economic sense for somebody to say that I am smuggling cocoa from Ghana to Cote d'Ivoire because the price difference as has been identified, that the smuggling gap must be more than 90 Ghana cities, to make economic sense for someone to decide to engage in that. But it is interesting people are now arguing that the fact that this year we've seen a difference in price of 50 Ghana cities between Ghana and Côte d'Ivoire. Côte d'Ivoire is doing something wonderful. For that reason, people must trip to Côte d'Ivoire. Over the last six years, at least, I have been at Cocoa Board. Every single year, price of cocoa to cocoa farmers in Ghana has been higher than that of Côte d'Ivoire. Indeed, there were Moments where the difference between our farmers and their farmers was 160 Ghana cities. But today, people want us to use Côte d'Ivoire as a yardstick to measure whether a price of cocoa is good or not. Bear in mind, in Côte d'Ivoire today, yes, the price that is being offered farmers is 860. That is for main crop. What, be, what happens in Côte d'Ivoire is that there's a different price for main crop, and it is a different price... For the light crop, because what you sell to international buyers, light crop attracts lower price. In the case of Ghana, that is not the case. What happens, rather, is that if it is either main crop or light crop, it's the same amount of money that is paid to the farmer as has been announced. So are the people also suggesting that when the light crop start, starts and the price in Ghana is maintained and that of Cote d'Ivoire is reduced, they will go to Côte d'Ivoire and buy cocoa and bring it in. But as we do this discussion, there's one thing we also need to pay attention to. Do you know that the services that are rendered to farmers in Ghana, farmers in Côte d'Ivoire do not enjoy the same services? In Côte d'Ivoire, there's nothing like free cities. In Côte d'Ivoire, government paying for extension service for cocoa farmers does not exist in that country. In Côte d'Ivoire, the fungicides and pesticides that cocoa board buys for permits in Ghana, it does not happen. Yeah, but
1: you see, all these things you're mentioning are sweets, but there's no contract or you haven't even made them swear an oath that says because you've provided them with all of this, at the end of the day, that bag of cocoa should come to you. You can do all that, provide all the extension services to them, but at the end of the day, we're talking about money, and that money is in Ivory Coast, they'll go and get it. You
6: see... If the argument is that, well, there's money in Ivory Coast, so throw away all the support you receive from your government.
1: Is, is, is I did really throw it away because, I, okay, so I don't get it. I've, you've come to give me seedlings, you've given me extensions and everything. I have done my cocoa at the end of the season I harvest. I put it in a sack. And I carry it to Ivory Coast. I haven't thrown away the support you gave me, I have actually fooled you essentially by letting you, you think that you, I'll you give you the end produce in, in, and then I end in, up sending it somewhere else. That's what that's the sense I get, unless I don't understand the dynamics. And I'll be glad no, if you can what, educate me.
6: Yeah, in what you call fooling a cocoa board, it is rather destroying the industry that supports you because if I do not believe that is what will happen.
1: Do they care? They are private people. They they have no obligation whatsoever to you. You right, are obligated
6: you because a, of the... A, you have an obligation to protect your own industry because if your activities undermine the sustainability of your own industry, the industry will not be there to serve you. That's the point I'm
1: making. You sound like you were you really hoping on the patriotism of I, I, these people. But I when am, it comes I to am, economic I am, I issues, patriotism is really people, tricky, isn't it?
6: I'm not hoping, but the point I'm making is that I've heard people who say that we should use Cote d'Ivoire as a benchmark in determining price. It is for that argument that I'm saying that Cote d'Ivoire cannot be the benchmark in determining price. But the point about smuggling, that's what I've said, that everywhere in the situation whereby Cote d'Ivoire was paying farmers beyond 90 Ghana cities, then there's a need for us to be worried because that room gives an incentive to people who wish to smuggle along our borders? But if we do not have that gap, for the people, the investment they are making in buying the cocoa, in transporting them along the border, paying all the bribes to Côte d'Ivoire, get it sold there and retrieve their money, it will not make the economic sense. We are not saying that, well, it is our wish that at this point Cote d'Ivoire will have their price higher than us. Just like it has been over the years, where we have always had our price higher than that of Cote d'Ivoire, but because of exchange rate differences, now when you do the exchange rate differences, they have a higher price. The point is that if anybody tells you that because of the 50 Ghana cities, farmers will carry their cocoa on their heads, walk along the border to go and sell in Cote d'Ivoire and make the revenue, clearly the person doesn't understand how. Manasseh,
1: Manasseh lives in Western North, and he has sent you a message which I'm going to read for you. He says, farmers are selling their farmlands for galamsey. Allow Cocoa Board to continue deceiving themselves. Only today, farmers mentioned to me again and again, they will sell their farms. What do you say to that?
6: Okay, so my friend Manazza's point. I, I agree that there are some farmers who are selling their cocoa along the border. But I do not think that it is a decision by Cocoa Board to say that we are not interested in the welfare of cocoa farmers to close our ears to it concerns of farmers have been taken on which we are dealing with but i'm sure the conversation about the finances of cocoa board has also come up why is the finances of cocoa board up for discussion it is because over the past three years we've had a situation whereby the imf have cautioned that ghana must reduce how much is paid to cocoa farmers because it's affecting the finances of Cocoa Bot, and Cocoa Bot still go ahead to the Bank of Ghana to borrow to support the farmers because we believe that the farmers are vulnerable and there's a need to support them. Okay. In the Cote d'Ivoire, they are citing as an example. In Cote d'Ivoire, they have reduced the farm gate price for the country over the last the, the period we are talking about. So it's not a case that Cocoa Bot does not care about the condition in which farmers find themselves. But the question is how much is Cocoa Bot getting from selling of the cocoa? At the international market, and would that be able to pay the figure they are talking about?
1: Okay, See, the question so that's actually what I was going to come to why have we simply not decided to outpay Cote d'Ivoire so we don't have to even have this debate?
6: We, uh, I'm sure the last six years the question has not come up that why are you know outpaying, uh, why is Cote d'Ivoire out paying you paying less? It is because. The dynamics at the time made it possible for us to outpay them, as you put it. But today, the dynamics does not favor us.
1: We don't have money. We don't have money. That's the dynamics, right?
6: It is because they have a stronger currency than that of ours. I'm making the point that Cote d'Ivoire, they increased their price by 9%. That ours was increased by 21%. But the point is that the CFA franc is a stronger currency now. So when you do the exchange then there's some benefit to them. Is that a case that, for us as a country, we are not interested in their welfare. I have given you reasons that show that we have rather paid more consistently to our farmers.
1: Okay, then the last question would be, I'm sure you do admit, despite all the issues you've raised, that there's still some smuggling, albeit insignificant, as you would want to put it, that is happening into Ivory Coast. As cocoa board, and for that matter, the government of Ghana, what are you doing to prevent the smuggling?
6: Well, smuggling is an illegal act. So anyone engaged in smuggling obviously is aware that it's an illegal act. And our expectation is that the security agencies will deal with persons who are engaged in this illegality, even though we do not think that the price difference encourages it. However... If persons are engaged in illegality, our expectation is that the law will take its course.
1: And that is the only thing you are hoping on. You do not have um, a team that is positioned at the borders or any of the unapproved routes, hoping to, to arrest people, perhaps put um, a bounty of assault on anyone who finds anyone smuggling. That's not part of the plan, is there?
6: Well, the understanding is that if you are transporting. COCO along our borders are arrested by the security agents. So there's a percentage that is paid to the policemen who arrest you for this illegality. And I am sure that the policemen, when they meet you smuggling cocoa, will obviously arrest you because there's something to be enjoy from
1: that. Do you have the percentage offhand?
6: I think the last time, I, I do not want to put a specific figure because I will need to uh, double check that, but I know it was about 50% of the amount.
1: Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us.
6: You're welcome.
1: That's Fifi Buafo, He's public affairs manager at the Ghana Cocoa Board. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Closely related to Cocoa is galamsey. We'll talk about that when we come back. Plus, the flooding and the ECG issues with PURC. Please
0: stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Well, there's still the eyewitness news. Now let's move away to some stories. The former president, John Dramani Mahama, has underscored the need for government to tackle the growing rate of youth unemployment in the country. According to him, the high rate of youth unemployment is a matter of national security concern, which must be taken seriously. The former president, while condemning the activities of Boko Haram in the sub-region, revealed that a youth stand a chance of being recruited if opportunities are not created for them. Former President John Mahama was speaking as a guest of honour at the 2022 convocation at Liberty University in the United States.
7: Ghana is an island of religious calmness in a sea of turbulence. As almost all our surrounding neighbors have in recent times experienced some major form of insurgency, coup d'etats, or other conflicts, including religious conflicts. To the north of Ghana, we have Burkina Faso and Mali, and there still remains an ever-present threat from religious fundamentalists operating in the Sahel and recruiting young Africans to join their terrorist networks. You probably would have heard about Boko Haram which is a terrorist group that operates mainly in Nigeria and around the Lake Chad region. This terrorist group gained world infamy when they abducted over 200 girls from a secondary school in a town called Chibok. Many of these groups lay claim to a puritanical concept of Islamic jihad, but the fact that they are indiscriminating who they attack, including killing their own fellow Muslims, gives us an indication of the extent of their perversion. There are also ISIS and bandits operating in the Sahelian region. In all these acts, one thing is clear. Leadership at all levels, including the family, the school, the church, the government, all have the responsibility to educate and inform the impressionable young members of our society about the imminent threats and dangers out there. Governments owe it as a responsibility to do all they can to secure the peace and safety of the nation, but above all, to reduce youth unemployment. This is necessary to ensure that the young people do not become easily recruitable to fill the ranks of the insurgents due to frustration and lack of opportunity.
0: Voice of the former president, John Dramani Mahama. Away from that, the member of parliament for Tina Mensa has reiterated the need for government to intensify its fight against illegal mining, popularly known as kalamse. The legislator says the nature of water from the flats enclave portrays the negative effects illegal mining in the hinterlands has had on water bodies across the country. Speaking to City News, after touring the affected areas, the MP stated such activities has put a strain on the finances of the Ghana Water Company Limited.
8: Well informed, but uh, I was informed, I think, two days before I travelled by the MC uh, that uh, I think uh, the waterways have written that they're going to open the, the, the dam. So for that two days to my travel, I was away, But it has taken us by surprise because it has never happened like this. And normally we always dredge certain waterways. So it doesn't affect us like this. But I think one thing that I also want to point out is that it's about time that we, we dredge the Dinsu itself. Because for a long time, the Dinsu, over 20 years now, it has never been dredged. And the water is so shallow, and when there is a shallow water and then huge volume of water is coming, you know it overflows. That is what is happening in Tetegu. Tetegu, people that doesn't know, is far, far, far away from the dam. But a lot of people think Tetegu is just close to the dam. It's far away from the dam. But because of the channel that the water passes through, passes through Tetegu, and the, 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 the channel itself is blocked. It, 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 it's not been distated for quite some time now. The volume of it, it, cannot take the volume of water that comes through it. So a little water then is placed over its banks and then comes to the table. I think that is what we saw. And then from my chest, um, uh, they've not opened about four termine, turbines at a go before. They do it gradually, but this was overwhelmed. And one thing too that I would like to put on record is that I was told uh, that uh, the water that came this time was like milk, uh, milu, which means that the Galam-say up upstream there is affecting everyone. If water coming from eastern region, the eastern corridor, and other areas could come to the Densu with such a color, then you can see that uh, we all have to say no to Galamsey because this will, will, will not occur well for the water works people. They have to spend much, much more money to, to uh, uh, how do I call it, to purify our water for us here so this also come to bear about the guarantee, it is not guarantee that is affecting only the regions that it's been done but it's affecting each and every community or every area in this nation so that is one thing and then I'll put on record that we need to dredge, the government need to dredge the Dinsu river because it's, it's been long overdue. We have to dredge it through its channel to wherever it needs to go. Then it can take the water away from there. There should be a solution. There should be a solution. Because uh, there are many villages who need water. And we always complain about uh, villages not having water. But we are throwing water away. This water could be stored somewhere. And then later on, we can manage it. If we have an extended dam here, this water could be channelled to a reservoir. And then at the dry season, when we are not getting water, we can harvest water from that uh, 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 reservoir as well. But it seems like this has been a, a yearly ritual that we do here. And yearly, my constituents suffer for it. The water doesn't serve only Weijak, we here. But it's a larger part of Greater Accra. It's a larger part of Greater Accra. So anything affecting the water should be left to affect just uh, 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 Wadagba way. And what what you hear from it? Any time there is this village and then there is this flooding, you hear the people are living on the waterway. The people are living. They are not living on Wadagba Weijak- uh, 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 dam area. A lot of the communities that were flooded doesn't live along there. So that means something must be done. It is not somebody's doing. We should take responsibility and do what we have to do so
0: that this thing will stop
8: in this constituency.
0: Tuna Mensa is Member of Parliament for Waja, Bawi.
1: Stanley Marty is uh, Communications Manager at the Ghana Water Company Limited. He joins us on the line. Uh, Mr. Marty, so two issues that have been raised that I believe you would have the power to deal with, uh, the Member of Parliament. One... Is that the Wager Dam has not been dredged since it was created? That should fall under your purview. And why has that not happened? Because she contends that because the silt keeps rising, uh, even if you know just a small volume of water comes into the dam, it would still overflow. What is your comment and what's your reaction to that?
6: Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Omar. Assuming, uh, without admitting, that um, the Wager Dam is broken. Okay? And so the the little volume of water that comes inside has to go, uh, has to be stored away. Uh, It still has to go through a certain channel into the sea. Okay? Now, this channel that we are talking about, this God created uh, uh, waterway that we are talking about has been encroached upon by developers. Okay, so how would the water flow into the sea? Okay, so whether it's been dredged or not, that is not the issue for discussion now. I think what she's referring it,
1: to the... So let's consider your dam as being two points. The point of entry, she believes that where you collect and save, serve, um, keep water for treatment, that place needs to be desilted so that... You can hold more volumes of water. Currently, she holds a view that you are not able to hold so much water in there because of the silt in the in the dam itself. Not what happens after the spill gates.
6: Aladi, yeah, I have not deviated at all. What I'm saying is that no matter the depth of our storage area, okay, travel uh, the storage area uh, where the dam is, You okay, no can matter the depth. It, it will get full one day because there's always and constantly inflows. And when we go, and we'll by all means at the point go beyond a certain level, we call the maximum operating level. You understand? At that level, we have to spill. There is no dam in this world, okay, that hasn't been spilled before. The excess water is always spilled, and that is why the design of every dam is such like that there are spill gates. But what we are talking about now is if we spill the water, the excess water, that should go through the natural waterway, the natural channel that God has created for the Dinsu River to flow through smoothly into the sea. That area has been encroached upon. You know, and that is why we are seeing the havoc that we, are talking, that we are discussing now.
1: Stanley, yesterday when I went to your dam, I actually saw that. And I noticed that The stream of the water towards the sea, people have not encroached on the edges. They've actually built in the middle of where the water should be passing. And yesterday, I saw whole houses standing in the middle of the water as it gashes past. The question would be, why don't you create a drain of a sort, like what we have in the Odor, where there is a bank that has been built with concrete, on both sides. That way, everybody knows that this is where the water passes, and there's no way anybody would build in there. For instance, nobody can build in the Odor. Why don't we have something like that? Because if it's just a natural you know, valley for water to pass through, if I came there in the dry season and the landlord sells to me, I may not even know that that's where the the Dinsu pass. For instance, the Member of Parliament talks about Tetegu, which is even across the road from the dam. Yet the water went there too. It means that you should create a nat- instead of depending on the natural flow of the water. Why don't you create an artificial path for it?
6: I like to understand that. Um, I think we are uh, uh, we are all not appreciating what is happening at other area. Okay, we need to look at what we are talking about with a technical eye. You understand? We are just we are we are just talking. We are, I mean, I don't know how to put it, but you know, technically. Technically, it is not feasible. And what I'm saying is that God created the dam okay, and created a path for it, a course for it, a waterway for it, for it to flow into the sea. Water finds its own level at any time. If you try to hinder the flow of water, it will divert its course into uh, other areas. And that is the challenge that we are finding. We are seeing in that area. Let us create the uh, in the path. so that the water can flow smoothly into the estuary and then into the sea. And we'll have no problems at all. We have not been hearing uh, uh, floods around that area until 15, 20 years ago when people started developing that area. When the dam was built in uh, 1977. There There hasn't been anything like this until the last 20 years. Okay, and all the buildings you see there today, okay, are less than 20 years old so they all know the repercussions of putting up structures in that area.
1: So the solution is pull down all those houses on the way. Exactly, exactly. We don't have the appropriate size of, you know what I mean, to do that, do we, as city authorities? Because in the first place, we sat aloof and watched for them to put these up.
6: And that is why we need to put pressure on the city authorities to do the needful, to do the right thing.
1: Can't, can't you out. do it yourself? Don't you have the authority? we
6: within our mandate. Water Company Limited. Our mandate is to water for the people
1: and open the pipes when there's need for it. And that's where the water goes to is not really your control. That is no
6: beyond the dam. We do not have control
1: over it. And the member of parliament thinks that you should start having control beyond the dam. She thinks think that you
6: should government use as Yeah, no, no, not, not
1: government. She's saying that don't waste the water that you are spilling into people's homes. Divert that water into a reservoir somewhere. Let's use it at a later time? Is that a feasible proposal by the MP?
6: Um, (laughs) You know, I don't want to say it is not feasible. I don't want to say it is feasible. But that should be a long-term plan. And that also means that the entire area over there will still have to be cleared. You know, for you to build a dam, you need some natural, natural photography to support it. You understand? And whatever you do, assuming we do an artificial storage beyond that dam, one day again the place will get full and we'll have to fail so if we if we build that dam okay and we have to spill and people have built in the dam we we'll see what they are seeing again what we are saying is that let us let us be responsible and bet and follow and, or, or, and, and and follow the laws of our country we are not supposed to build on waterways we are not supposed to put structures on uh, buffer zones let us obey the laws and we'll live in peace and what? we need to enforce that the what? municipal assembly needs to enforce that other than that we'll face these challenges every time and even ourselves the citizens ourselves we have to be responsible we know that it is dangerous to live in that area we have been educating people for the past god, god knows when and still people are putting up new structures i like look I can bet you, if the water we see, okay, people will go back and continue the construction of their, building, of their buildings. Next year, we'll see new buildings spring up. I have drawn videos of that area for the past three, four years or so. You can come and I'll show it to you. You realize that new structures have sprung up. Okay? So why are we doing this to ourselves? We want to talk about, want to blame Ghana water and all that. For us to spill the dam, the excess water from the dam, we are rather saving them, because if we do not spill the excess water from the dam and the dam is to collapse, it will wipe all of them away in minutes. We will not; they will not have the energy to take even uh, the thing, the, the the sort of thing that, that they are taking from their homes. Why are we doing this to ourselves? It is wrong to build in that area.
1: Let's talk about okay.
6: the. We keep, we keep talking about these things year by year, and they still keep doing it.
1: Let's talk about the estuary now, the point where the river enters the sea. I noticed that it was closed until the excavators were sent two days ago to open it up. Why don't we have it permanently opened so that the water would naturally flow into the sea?
6: Okay, so that is the duty of the municipal assembly. But I'll help you out. That place has been dredged already. And then three, four days ago, they ha- we had to go and dredge further. Or they had to go and dredge further so that the water will flow in, uh, this thing, uh, 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 more easily than uh, 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 hitherto it was. Okay, so it has been dredged already. What happens is that any time we have to spill, we inform uh, the district assembly. And then there are some protocols that we all follow. Okay, we have our standard operating procedures. We follow them very well. And then the district assembly is also expected to do there, so they go and dredge the area so that there will be free flow. But what we are seeing now is structures hindering the smooth flow of the water, so the water would direct its course into other areas. That is why we are seeing areas that has never been flooded over the years now getting flooded because the water now is finding a different route.
1: I hope you are getting what I am saying. I get you. And the last if, question would be: Now, me. if you mm-hmm. go
6: there, if you go there, you don't see any any channel or any any waterway that you can say that this is the waterway for uh, the Densu River because people have been pushed on every part of the uh, or every part of the land.
1: The last question would be did you not have to announce to people through a gong beta or a community um, was what, it the, the van that makes the announcement? Exactly. That is what
6: we do. Is so, so did you do it at
1: this time as well to tell them? We do
6: it every time. We do it every time. This is is aware. All the assembly of it. You need committee leaders. They chiefs Everybody is aware. They have uh, residence associations. We send them letters. I have copies of the letters. I like you, Sander. <laughs>
1: Very well, thank you, Thanks, Stanley. The way you keep calling me, aloud, like, you may just have to sponsor my my hard trip this year, <laughs> uh, next year. But thank you. you. Thank you so much for, for for speaking to us, and we'll return to you again in due course. Thank you. I
6: appreciate that. Thank you, so That's
1: Stanley Marty, his communications uh, director for the Ghana Water Company Limited. This is Eyewitness News on ninety-seven point three, ctfn We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. Talking about um. The, the issues with the Weijagbawi, the flooding that we saw, you've heard a member of parliament say that the water looked like, well, it was thick. Maybe let's use groundnut soup. That, that's probably what she said uh, she wanted to use in reference to the water that was collecting into the dam, which water had to be opened. This is attributed to Galamsey. Now, the flooding did not happen just in Weijagbawi. It has also happened in other parts. Bagridam was spilled up north in Burkina Faso, and the water came to uh, our country, the northern part. It has caused some devastation there. Our correspondent Fred has been reporting on it. Fred Awuniamin. I mean. Now, if you look at the eastern region, for the first time, we are recording flooding in Ebuakwa North, uh, in New Dram in North and New Dram in South. The status or the state of affairs there is something that is a bit curious. We've called up the member of parliament who is a former minister for works and housing. The Honorable Samuel Atachia is MP for Abuakwa South. He joins us on the line. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
9: Yes, my pleasure, as always.
1: So I will speak to you because you are on the committee of parliament that focuses on C. but what is the state of affairs in your own constituency and the neighboring constituency? You've been touring the area. What's the status?
9: Well, you know, when we have natural problems, like um, a heavy rain inundation, we don't have to complain because that's nature, if you like. But when there's a problem of man-made problems, then we should worry. I don't understand why people should build on waterways. How can we say we have a municipality that people will not take building permits before uh, they go ahead and build their dwelling homes? And how can we say that people are not even ashamed of the fact that they come from the president's backyard and they want to do serious galamsee divert the river brim, which is supposed to be the cleansing force of the Uchimans too. And then you have problems as you have. Because what I'm so much ashamed of is that people are not even ashamed to go ahead and do galamsee at the backyard of the Presbyterian um, um, uh, uh, Training College, Achibie, the very governmental land just at the background is what somebody believes she could do that I'm saying, and then the president saw so she to the point of diverting the Brim River, and if you divert the Brim River, there will not be a flow. So when there is a the rain inundation, then there's whole flooding in the area, and it comes to disturb uh, people's uh, livelihoods and properties. The good news I'm having is that although the, the, the devastation was so terrible, it didn't lose any life. That is my joy. But apart from that, I've seen a very terrible thing today and uh, we need to work towards resolution.
1: So it, it's a new thing, isn't it? The flooding in your constituency.
9: This is the first time we had a very serious flooding. I've been a member of parliament since 2009. I've never experienced this before. I thought that you have... Serious flooding in the um, um, uh, I mean um, uh, Serious cities of Kumasi and Accra, but to have flooding in an area like mine is very strange. And this it is purely
1: C related, isn't it? Essentially so.
9: Essentially we, so.
1: You it said the you said the river was diverted. That. That sounds like a lot of engineering work for me. Like practically, you're saying that the course of the river was diverted so someone could dig gold where the water would have passed. Is that what you're saying?
9: That is so. We can't run away from the consequences of um, the bad behaviors of our own people and why um, the whole system will give a standing ovation to whoever is doing such a thing. Because when you pollute a river, do you know what we are saying? Now the life of a whole area of people should suffer. Because the river is what they use to cook. The river is what they use for all manner of things. But if the river is polluted, then you pollute their life. That's my analysis.
1: Honorable, your party in government for the past six years has been waging a war on Galamsey. There are critics who say it is purely cosmetic, from where you stand as a member of parliament for a community that has gold and also being a lawyer, where are we getting it wrong from?
9: Well, essentially, it's like, um, um, I wouldn't say it's cosmetic because I believe the president is well-meaning. But let me give you a scenario. The president is in Jubilee House. He has a representative who is uh, the municipal chief executive. He's supposed to head um, the security apparatus of the area, nobody will do an antenna activity to the point that nobody will see. So what is the M- MCE doing? Apart from that, there might also be a chief who knows that, oh, a stranger has entered my jurisdiction as a chief. He didn't come to the pilot to seek permission. But it's a vast area, even like I'm saying, the Brim River. And you are saying that the chief is not aware or it's not being informed that, look, somebody is trying to desecrate your environment. So it's an interplay of uh, what I call ineptitude, compromise, and sometimes um, uh, people believe in coins for now at the expense of their own peace and joy tomorrow. That's what we are going through. But to say that, oh, the president is not well-meaning, he doesn't want to ensure... That Dalamse is eradicated, I believe that is not uh, the state of affairs. This whole conspiracy against the solid resolution that um, he doesn't want to see that I'm, stay, I'm messing up the environment and the rest of it. But I believe that the time has come that anybody who's involved in this kind of shameful behavior, and pocket is superior to the devastation of the environment and also how a lot of people should suffer. That person should be arrested
1: and dazzled. It uh, it appears arrest has been failing over the years. The soldiers have been deployed. We have apps and all of that. Drones have all failed. There is a proposition that we should deploy a shoot to kill tactic. You are a lawyer. I'm not sure that's something you would agree with, but people hold Uh, the view uh, that let's use the extremist of um, positions to fight this issue. Yeah, that is to set
9: aside the constitution. Uh Every man is Deemed innocent and to proven otherwise before a court of competent jurisdiction. Immediately, we resort to um, um, shooting people on site. Then we are in a state of anarchy. So, if a soldier goes to an area and he, are, he should arrest a person, the first thing to do is to uh, uh, get a police to put together a docket and then they arrest him before a court of competent jurisdiction. Let him define himself. That. Why is it that cause of profit? and the coins you have in mind, a whole river, seven, maybe about uh, one-third of the issues of Ghana should be polluted. And then, you answer. So I know that it's become a bit desperate, but when we are desperate, we shouldn't compromise the rule of law. That is anarchy.
1: Let's leave it here for now. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Honorable.
9: My joy, as always.
1: That is the Honorable Member of Parliament for Boakwa South, former Minister of Works and Housing and Chair of the Mines Mine and Energy Committee of Parliament, the Honorable Samuel Atacha. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. We have more when we return. Please stay.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details of every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News, be informed.
5: Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ni Aikwe Okain. Let's settle for the details. The Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, says the increase in the monetary policy rate by the Bank of Ghana will contribute to the collapse of many businesses. The Monetary Policy Committee of the Central Bank increased the policy rate by 250 basis points to 24.5% today. Speaking to City Business News, the president of Guta, Joseph Obin, says the new rate will only facilitate an increase in inflation. What
6: what does this new rate seek to achieve? is it to control inflation, then it's wrong, because it's going to aggravate inflation. So it's not um, a good panacea uh, for solving the inflation problem. It's only going to compound the problem. I've said it over and over that the problem that we're encountering with inflation is as a result of a a cost push, the fact that um, uh, it's accumulation of um, um uh, cost rather than um assessing um, liquidity excessive uh, supply of money in the system i I, I don't buy the uh, methodology being used by bank of ghana any uh, um they are only uh, helping to compound um the problem they are helping to fuel um the inflation and they are doing just that Now the uh, commercial lending rates have gone somewhere 34%. After announcement of this, we are going to be pushed to somewhere 36, 37, where we are heading towards 40% for interest on our loans. Coupled with the exchange rate, how the exchange rate is going in 11 cities and all that, it means that we are heading towards a ditch. We are all heading towards a very deep hole where we cannot, it will be very difficult for us to
5: uh, resurface again businesses are going to collapse president of guta joseph obeng the Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, says Ghana's banking sector has remained resilient with total asset increasing by over 22% in August 2022. Dr. Addison further stated that the total deposit increased by over 22% to over 136 billion Ghana cities. Speaking at a press briefing in Accra today, the Governor of the Bank of Ghana said economic growth in the country has been strong
10: in the second quarter. Of 2022, banking sector performance remained resilient as at the end of August 2022, total assets increased by 22.9% on year-on-year basis to 204.6 billion Ghana CDs in August 2022, due to sustained growth in deposits compared to a 16.7% annual growth in the previous year. Total deposits increased by 22.5% to 136.7 billion cedis, relative to 21.8% growth in August 2021. The key financial soundness indicators of the banking industry have remained positive in the year, with capital adequacy ratio at 18.1%, well above the regulatory minimum of 13%. The sector was also liquid, reflected by an increase in coal liquid assets to short-term liabilities of 31.1% in August 2022 from 24.7% in the previous year.
5: You heard the Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison. Prices of petroleum products are likely to go up in the coming weeks due to a reduction in oil supply on the global market this is because the organization of the petroleum exporting countries plus opec plus has announced a cut in production by two million barrels a day there is more in the following report by city News' charles Ousukumi.
11: crude oil the fuel that runs the world machine the slightest change in the price of this priceless commodity has enormous effects on economies around the world particularly for emerging economies like ghana when crude prices go up, the distress is felt almost across all aspects of the economy. According to current estimates, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, controls about 80% of the world's oil reserves, producing about 30% of the world's consumption a day. OPEC is made up of 13 countries, but in 2016, when oil prices were particularly low, OPEC joined forces with 10 other oil producers to create OPEC+. Plus. This group of 23 oil exporting countries meets regularly to decide how much crude oil should be sold on the world market. On the 5th of October 2022, members of OPEC Plus agreed to cut production by 2 million barrels a day. The cut, which will take effect from November, represents around 2% of the global oil supply and is more than initially anticipated. According to Forbes, many oil and gas stocks have been trending lower since mid-2014. There are suggestions that as the world moves towards clean energy, producers of fossil fuel will be affected in the long term. This, many believe, is one of the reasons OPEC Plus is seeking to cut production to drive up the price of crude back up from the $90 per barrel it is currently selling. The U.S. has criticized the move, and is expected to increase its own production to help the situation. But Duncan Amwa of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers says this may not be enough and Ghanaians should brace themselves to pay higher rates at the pumps. It's
12: not surprising that even though we are not within the 50s, the 40s or the 30s, OPEC at this point still believes that a cushion, the $110, $120 a barrel, uh, did give them some very good Profit or returns or revenues. And so for them, when it declines to 84, 87, uh, that sounds like revenue loss to and That simply, typically, uh, would explain why they would go for the new cuts that they have just announced. The American intervention would hold sway for a while, but overall... Uh, prices are likely to bounce back over the $100 region with these announcements. What that means for uh, countries like Ghana is simply to get prepared to pay more for oil. Uh, unfortunately, if you're a Ghanaian consumer, not only will the international market development affect you, the persistent depreciation of the city, together with what OPEC is proposing to do, is likely to push us into even tougher times than we currently have.
11: Dan Kanamwa again suggests some decisions Ghana's government can take to cushion consumers against the expected rise in petroleum products.
12: Trigger a hedging instrument. We have said that the continuous diversified portfolios we have currently, as far as fuel importation is concerned, is unsustainable. If you would need to put your uh, entire imports into one bill, uh, so that you get any of the major uh, traded. To supply in that quantity or volume, you are likely to attract economies of scale and you are also likely to be able to negotiate a lot better than we currently do with the fragmented importation by the various BDs. Secondly, there's a certain price chart that says when prices on the international market moves upwards, drop some of the taxes in order to accommodate the fluctuating city so that you may not be able to reduce prices, but you can stabilize prices such that the city's depreciation would not impact adversely on pump prices going forward. We have submitted a paper to the Ministry of Finance, and we would be hoping that, Judging by what OPEC is intending to do, uh, some of these uh, suggestions would be probably considered seriously. Other than that, if the city continues to depreciate and OPEC continues to gravitate towards higher international uh, market price for oil, you are simply going to get to 2023 a bit cheaper for your people than it has been for 2022.
5: That report was filed by City News' Charles Owusu. The Ghana Immigration Service is urging authorities to deploy the services of cybersecurity professionals at various units of the Immigration Service to deal with cybercrime. The service says the influx of technology has given rise to cybercrime in the country with only a few of the professionals stationed, most especially at the airport, to combat the disturbing trend. Speaking at a seminar on cyber security in Accra, the deputy controller of the Ghana Immigration Service, in charge of finance, Isaac Ousu, called for adequate measures in ensuring cyber security. The internet provides important services accessible to anyone
7: with a connection. One of these important services is digital communication on the worldwide web. While this service allows communication. With others through the internet, this is also allowing communication
2: with malicious users. The cost of a successful attack can be
7: huge. My message today is clear. If you are not concentrating on cyber, you are causing chaos and catering to criminals. As a security institution, we have a great risk and a great task of protecting information of who enters the country or leaves. Whether it is safe for such persons to enter or leave our country. What are these persons history? Elsewhere, government already requires many of these institutions to employ people who hold cyber-essentials I hope Ghana will be strengthening this requirement to ensure more of our institutions take up the scheme
2: and be more aware of cybercrime. People with such backgrounds in our service are usually stationed at the airport, the
7: MIS and intelligence units. But as the days go by, we realize the need for such persons to be stationed at almost every unit. Since the service deals with a lot of information and data, that needs to be protected.
5: Deputy Controller of the Ghana Immigration Service in Charge of Finance, Isaac Owusu. Finally, the managing director of the electricity company of Ghana ECG, Samuel Dubik Mahama, is unhappy with the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, PURC. According to Mr. Mahama, prior to the issuance of a press statement directing the power distributor to reimburse affected customers, ECG was not given a fair hearing. Thus, he believes affected conclusion and demands of PURC with regards to what the company intended to do for ECG customers. In a statement, PURC ordered the ECG to pay one-time compensation to customers over eight recent power crises that left thousands of customers stranded for a week. Reacting to the orders, Managing Director of ECG Samuel Mahama says the compensation will be done, but tailored to individual customers.
2: If you quite recall at my last press statement, I said everybody who has a problem should follow the grievance process and go through PURC to start the process, and we will deal with it on a case-by-case basis. I still stand by that. It cannot be a block compensation to everybody because what we are also seeing is that just by one person saying something, there were panic buys. There were people that didn't need to form queues but were in the queues. So how do I compensate somebody who, didn't, who I shouldn't compensate? In the case of compensation, you have to prove damages. And there's a process for that. We thank PURC for putting out that notice as per their guidelines.
5: That was the Managing Director of the Electricity Company of Ghana, Samuel Dubik Mahama. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ni Ayukwe Okan. Up next is Point Blank.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
1: You're welcome back. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandaman. On Point Blank, we are going back to the Galamse conversation. The National Democratic Congress, NDC, says the Akufado administration has failed woefully in the fight against illegal mining. The party describes the measures and strategies put in place by government to fight Galamse as a farce. Speaking at a press conference at the NDC headquarters in Adabraka, in Accra, the National Communications Officer of the party, Sami Jemfi, alleged now, some members of the MPPN government are involved in the menace
4: with the greatest of pleasure to this engagement to discuss an issue of great importance to our collective survival as a nation. So no, the interministerial tax force had no genuine commitment to fight Galasey, but instead set out with the sole motive of driving away some unemployed Ghanian youth, and in some cases, licensed small-scale miners, and replacing them with new patriotic party functionaries, and food soldiers. And so, as we normally do here, any allegation we make will be supported by the necessary evidence, so that you will know that we are speaking nothing but the truth. On the screen, you can see the shoot to kill policy espoused by Joe Osei Wusu, MPP MP for Bekwai and First Deputy Speaker of Parliament. This Parliament debates shoot to kill order against Galamseyes, March 13, 2018. This was at a time legal small scale mining had been banned in this country. And this MPP member of Parliament was calling on Operation Vanguard and the anti Galamsey tax force to shoot persons who were mining, whether they were illegal miners or small-scale miners, to shoot and kill them. In the process, some were killed. Um, If we can see the story of the four miners who were killed at Kwabin in the Eastern region. Yes, so this was published by Manjo Online on 13th August 2017. Tensions at Eastern region as residents blame Uprishin Vanguard for deaths of four miners. This is what they did right at the outset of their so-called fight against Galamsey, But ladies and gentlemen, today, government's so-called community mining program has been taken over by MPP functionaries and government officials. President Kufuado's engagement with chiefs and MMDCs in Kumase yesterday provided yet another opportunity for him to engage in his usual flowery speeches which cannot win the war against Galamse. While urging the chiefs to help depoliticize the fight against Galamse, the president is reported to have told his MMDCs on that same platform, that fighting Galamse will convince Ghanaians to help the new patriotic party break the eight. This has been the true nature of Nana Adodankwa Ekufu Ado who says one thing and does the exact opposite. He promised to protect our environment but turned around to strengthen Galamse and supervise the most devastating degradation of our environment. As so well as you can see on the screen, this is, these are stories published by City Newsroom only yesterday and the first publication dated 5th October, that is yesterday, 2022, at 1.29 p.m., reports the president as saying, let's not politicize the fights. fight. And by 5.46 p.m., another story was published by the same portal, from the same speech delivered by the president on that same platform. Only a determined effort will help MPP break the eight. And so who is politicizing the Galamsee fight? Ladies and gentlemen, How can the man, President Agufuado, who stood on a political campaign platform in the year 2016 in Oboise and promised to promote illegal mining, a.k.a. Galancy, when elected, lecture us on the need to depoliticize the fight against illegal mining? How is that even possible? And maybe somebody is hearing this for the first time. The person may not know that President Tekufuado actually promised to promote Galamse, and he made that promise on the campaign platform for votes. And so today, if he turns around to talk to us, sermonize about not politicizing Galamse, we should be asking him to be apologizing for that, first of all. And if you doubt me, listen to the audio recording that is being played now. Ladies and gentlemen, these pieces of evidence have been available to the President and the powers that be, yet no action was taken to raid the tax force of such criminally minded officers. No wonder the fight has been a futile one, and the various tax forces have been a complete waste of the public purse. The former Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, Honorable John Peter Amiwu, under whose leadership the fight against Galamstais began, made an observation that members of the Uprishivanga team had been compromised by illegal miners. This statement was corroborated by the then Eastern Regional Minister, Honorable Eric Daffo. And you can show those publications on the screen so that those who are not aware can appreciate what we are talking about. Here, Peter Mewi is reported to have said, "By modern Ghana, on the 19th of December 2017, that one step forward, two steps back." I'm not saying it. This is John Peter Mewi. He says, um, "Can I? Can, can you scroll? Let's read the relevant portions. This is a very important story." He says, "But unfortunately, even some members of the government itself are giving." To making unsupported allegations about corruption within the tax force, which can only gladden the hearts of the anti-tax force propagandists. For instance, the Eastern Regional Minister and Chairman of the Regional Security Council (Rexec) Mr. Eric Quatchedapho was reported by CTFM on 14 December 2017 to have revealed that some youth in mining communities are enticing members of the anti Galamsi tax force, who Vanguard, who are on assignment in the region. Aside these happenings in the early years of the Ekufuadobagomiya government, which have been indelibly inscribed in the womb of time, we also do recall that some chiefs in the Amancier area in the Ashante region had no cause, had cause, to accuse the then head of the Forestry Commission, the late Kwajo Usu AK aka John, and other high-ranking government officials of fronting illegal mining activities in the area. Also as recent as 27th April 2022, the Deputy Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, Honorable Mrikuduka, who also doubles as the MP for Takan was accused for his involvement in a dispute between two illegal small-scale mining gangs. The Okobeng Gang on one hand and the Mrikuduka side on the other hand. The leader of the gang, the leader of the group, alleged to be affiliated with the MP, died on the spot from a gunshot, while the leader of the Okobeng gang sustained deep cutlass wounds on the head and ears and was rushed to the Kolibuti teaching hospital. The deputy minister and MP for Takwa, who was never sanctioned by President Ekufuado for allowing illegal mining activities in his backyard, let alone actively encouraging and associating with say, today, openly talks about the need to fight If you go to his own hometown, Pataho, in Domping, I'm talking about the hometown of the Deputy Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, Merikiduka, who doubles as a chief in the area. His hometown has now become a hotbed for Galamsey activities. And you can go there with your cameras to check for yourself his own hometown. Friends from the media, all the cases we have aligned point to an indisputable fact that the so-called fight against illegal mining under President Tecufuado has long been a wobbly, compromised one that is bound to fail. President Tecufuado has taken no interest in investigating these reports and bringing the named corporates book the only reasonable explanation for this strange reluctance of president Ekufuado to act on these glaring cases of governmental and official complicity in galamse is because is that president Ekufuado is himself complicit and benefits from the illicit galamse trade of
3: his appointees.
1: You are listening there to Sami Jemfi, his National Communications Officer of VNDC. And that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umar Sanda Amadou. Production by Don Ulo. Sami Wiyafe and Bevelin, London. The technical support from Daniel Squashy. we return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night.
3: City News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City97.3 FM and on Twitter at City973.